I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and joining me, lounging adjacent the satellite branch from Scenic Hamilton, it's your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. I have hay fever because it's spring and everything hurts and is dry. Don't you love allergy season? Don't, you know, don't you, Kate? I didn't, don't you? I didn't. I didn't have allergies for a really long time, and I thought I was just dying a couple of years ago. And then my mom offhandedly mentioned, "She's like, oh yeah, I started getting allergies in my 30s." I was like, "Is this what this is?" I've already vomited like five times today. <laughs> you think you're dying, and then you take one Claritin. And, <laughs> I'm like, and you're like, "Oh, I'm fine. My eyes are stopped burning." Friends, this is episode 278 of the Geek Down Podcast. If you'd like to listen to any of our other 277 episodes, you just swing yourself on over to wherever you get your audio content, be that Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, or Stitcher. Give us a rate, review, follow, subscribe. Helps push us up the algo. I would love to see us get, get enough reviews on Spotify to get an official rating. They don't have enough yet oh. to give us an official rating. Would love to see that. Helps other people okay. find the show. When you And do- I know there are people out here who listen to the show. We know. You know? We can see you. We can see you. We're we're watching you. You're listening to this podcast. We can see you right now. We know what you're doing. I think one of the reasons they like this podcast is because we're very low pressure. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't take a lot of commitment to listen to this podcast. Very, very low stakes, low commitment podcast. Listen, some of these podcasts, they get out there, they start feeling themselves. They're doing twice a week, three times a week. I guarantee you, friends, you will never have that worry here. Sometimes you no. can't even get once a week out of us. But whenever they drop, rest assured, if you follow this podcast on your sound provider of choice, you will never miss an episode because they will be brought to you gently dropped from the back of a rainbow main alicorn named Philip by your mans. John C. Frostilic is the third geek down internet elf. He does not suffer from allergies. He does not. And he's also equally low pressure as us. He's chill. He is chill if you would like to tell us how you're chilling on your day-to-day your weekends weather's getting a little nicer barely it's trying it's trying so bad here in toronto doing its best doing its best (laughs) doing its best its best is not good enough you can let us know on twitter.com slash geekdownpod that's where the show lives on the social meets the only place on the social meets maybe the last place caitlin will adjacently live on the social meets (laughs) y'all caitlin's caitlin's tenuous love affair with facebook might finally be coming to an end it's she was the last woman she was the last woman standing i feel like facebook is like i've never had this in my life just i'm not talking from experience here but in tvs and movies sometimes a character has like that person they just have sex with every (laughs) once in a while and it's like begrudging and it's like they kind of feel bad about it and it's like you know they they keep on going back and it's really just it's fulfilling a need that's it it's fulfilling a need but it's like you're kind of guilty and you don't want to and you've kind of like grown past them you wish there were better options you wish there were better options and let me tell you i have looked for better options (laughs) (laughs) Um, but 
I people my people some of my people are there and people I really like and I want to stay connected to but I wish it didn't have to be through that medium like my dad's not going on to Twitter guys (laughs) (laughs) same I would never talk here's the thing about Facebook at this point in my life um if it wasn't for the fact that you had to have an active account to use messenger, which may not be the case anymore, but it was the last time I tried to purge Facebook. Mm. Cause that's the only way I talked to well, frankly, Caitlin <laughs> and, and my fa- family. And also, um, since I stopped going on Facebook at least once a day to check, like, you know, my groups or whatever, uh, I have missed so many birthdays. <laughs> I apologize to all of my friends. <laughs> same i because i don't i don't go on it every day i uh it's been like a couple times a week and then i'll be like oh shit (laughs) oops well the perfume fans group is still uh still relatively active on there so that's why i i go in for for my news although official word from uh the group via instagram which is again facebook like i can't escape them like i probably use instagram the most can't escape it but if you'd like to support this endeavor financially so we can uh work on our own social media startup and procure venture capital. Oh, does that mean I can wear t-shirts and jeans to important meetings? No, you have to, you have to Elizabeth Holmes it and just wear a bl- turtleneck? black turtlenecks and blazers. Also, if you could drop your voice three decibels, that would be uh, three octaves. Um, that would be very appreciated. I can drop it. It's, it sounds weird. People don't like it. Yeah, um, exactly. And First they think you're crazy. Then they fight you. And then all of a sudden you change the world. And I can't wear a turtleneck. Do you want to know why? Your big round face? <laughs> My big round face. Walk around looking like a lollipop. I have one set of pictures from when I was a kid. Oh, no. Who put me in that turtleneck? Oh, no. Who, who said that was okay? Oh. I blame my sister because she did not put a stop to... <laughs> To the assault on my personal well-being, which is the pictures of me in a neck with my big, big round face. Fiona, what the fuck? <laughs> Seriously. How'd you do her like that? Seriously. Oh. Um, okay, so if you would like to support this endeavor financially so Caitlin can scrub all evidence that she ever wore a turtleneck <laughs> from the internet, ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod. Throw three bucks in the old tip jar. Every contribution is appreciated, and we love all of you who choose to part with your dollars to support this thing we do for fun. Kate. Yeah. Had my first, my closest brush with the plague ever this week. Uh, I need you to tell me all about it, and I will, we will swap some stories. <laughs> uh, so friends, it's been a while since we've done a real, uh, a real pandemic check-in around here, uh, here in Ontario. Which, I mean, this, this is going to sound like it's wild for us, but I mean, I realize most places where you're hearing this probably already happened, um, where just YOLO is fully in effect now. Yeah. No masks. Masks are optional. No vaccine passports. No none of that. Um, just <laughs> roll the dice every time you leave the house. So no masks mandated indoors anywhere. Uh, at my work, we are still currently uh, requested to wear masks when dealing mm-hmm. with the public. Um, will that change at a certain point? I don't know. Possibly. That'll be interesting if and when that ever happens. Um, but, uh, a person at work who I work with very closely ended up, we've had a few other folks, uh, test positive. Um, but either, you know, the, the time they were 
last time they were in the building or the proximity, not somebody I really worked with closely. Um, but I got the call on or the text on Thursday or Friday that the person I work with, maybe the closest at work had tested positive. Um, no symptoms, no nothing, but I mean, just generally, and I have never experienced any symptoms, but just, you know, the person who <laughs> is in the office with me eight feet away while I am eating my oatmeal, checking my email in the morning, you know, that, that type of thing. Um, so this is after I'm home from work. I then have to figure out where can I get a rapid test? <laughs> Cause I haven't even had to look for one. Um, turns out they're just handing them away at grocery stores right now. Yeah. They, they're literally throwing them at you. Apparently like, listen, I did not expect that, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the adjacent no frills to me here in Parkdale was going to have them because this is a less affluent neighborhood. So, yes. Um, and also my hope was that, you know, everything has been a nightmare in Toronto comparatively. We will recall mm-hmm. Jordan got his booster. He went home to Windsor to get it where he just sailed on through. Meanwhile, it was going to be like four months to get a booster in Toronto. Yeah. So, but my hope was that by this point, they will be fairly easy to acquire. Cause you know, the, the, the hype was over, <laughs> you know, most people, their kids were bringing them home by the boatload from school every day, that type of thing. Um, so I found a, found a pharmacy at another grocery store, uh, a few blocks away, scooted up there, got it, brought it home, was negative. Um, I may still, they handed me two boxes cause apparently they're just drowning in rapid tests at the, if the, you need, if you need them friends, have... if you need them and you're in Toronto, head on up to the, uh, Dundas Lansdowne, <laughs> no frills. They're just throwing them um, at you. Mine were in a very nicely stacked pyramid. To which I was told, oh. just take whatever you want. And I was like, all right. I only took one box because I don't need more than that. A very small household. But yeah, it was very well done pyramid. Yeah. They, they gave me the two. The hope is that I will not need to burn through all 10. But yes, I may uh, I may use another one um, before I hey, go back to work this week. Hey, but mine lasts like 2024. So I'm oh, like hey. good for two years, hopefully. <laughs> so that was uh, that was stressful. <laughs> Although Caitlin and I were talking off mic before we started, like really a lot of people, all this talk, you know, the, the talk is of the six, the six wave is here. The new wave is here. And like, listen, a lot of folks are going down in my, you know, coworker circle. But as Caitlin rightly pointed out, when we were talking before the mics came on going out, you know, dropping like flies doesn't mean you're on a respirator in the hospital at this point. It means you have the sniffles for five days and then Um, the science behind (laughs) the precautions most of us have taken um, start to work and then, you know, you're fine. But yeah. And like my, my story is, is kind of similar. Um, Basically again, someone I was working with uh, my boss, actually uh, her uh, family came down with COVID and she was fine. She tested, she was totally fine. And she's been on top of it, right? Like she's tested more frequently than other people. She she had her dad was in the hospital for a while. So again, she had to like test pretty frequently, um, all of that. Um, not with her dad wasn't in the hospital for COVID, but it was something else entirely, but because, you know, she's in a hospital, she's seeing lots of people. She wanted to be safe. Um, and then all of a sudden I, you know, get up to go to work and there's a message in our group work chat, where she was saying she had tested. She she started feeling really sick in the morning, like sniffles, sore mm. throat. She took a test, had COVID. I had literally been talking to her the like the the 
afternoon before. Again, we had masks on, but it was real close. And I was like, um, so I picked up a box just in case. She's like, hey, if you get symptoms, test. If not, you're probably fine. This is not to say, like, also, you have to remember, both senior correspondent and I think we may have already had it way back in January. Oh, there's been members. December before. Yeah, before it was a thing, right? The Ontario Science Table, I think there was some article. I didn't see it, but one of my buddies at work mentioned he saw i don't know if it was dr isaac or one of these you know science table doctors who was basically like the question isn't more you know everybody's saying you know everyone's gonna get it you've already had it yeah like at this point everyone you've probably already had it so i've probably already had it too to be honest yeah but it just yeah again it's about you know symptoms and we've been very careful with wearing masks uh especially while traveling and out and about and we will for a long time uh don't you be saying anything to me. <laughs> I will not. No, no, <laughs> don't talk to me about it. I am wearing this mask, especially on the bus. Um, Listen, I, I told you, just hands. tell them you have COVID. It's like the most, <laughs> the bulletproof response to anybody who wants to fuck with you for wearing a mask. Just tell them you're wearing a mask because you have COVID. There's have no COVID. response to that. I will cough in your mouth like a toddler. <laughs> um, but, but. Just everyone, like you said, I know so many people who've had it, who've tested positive. But, yeah, it's that weird thing where you're just like, COVID is just going to be a part of our lives now. It's not going away. It's going to be like the flu. Um, You know, 10 years from now, it's going to be like, oh, did you get your COVID shot this year? I hope you did because, you know. It's just going to become part of the background, which is so weird because it was so, so weird forward facing for so long is all we could talk about. Um, well, uh, moving yeah. from one uh, item of collective trauma to the next. <laughs> um, okay. So y'all listened to last week's episode. We came back from the break and we mentioned that we, uh, we want to wrap up quick because the Oscars were on. As I said on Twitter, when I posted the episode that week, uh, us finishing recording an episode 25 minutes before an event like that is maybe the most geek down thing ever. Um, cause <laughs> uh, I finished, you know, I hit save, I shut the laptop. I still, you know, checked in with someone cute and she was just like, this Will Smith, Chris rock thing seems awkward. Um, now I don't, I'm not here to talk about the event, the event been talked about Gerard Carmichael, the comedian was hosting SNL this week. And he pointed out like, how they told him to talk about it for uh, for his monologue. <laughs> He's like, you realize this was six days ago, right? And it's going to be like ten days ago by the time you're hearing this. That's wild. It feels like yeah. we have already lived with this our entire lives, as many people have pointed out. Um, so I, I don't have any takes for it. You know, I, I'm smart enough to know uh, as a white man that, you know, we say it all the time. I'm well-versed in the uh, exceptional value offered by shutting the fuck up. It is $0. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I would like to say it's free. We, it is free. And I'm aware that it's free. It costs me $0. So I have no problem doing it. So I don't want to talk. I'm have no intention of talking about the event itself. It has been talked out, which is what I do want to talk about because I have never seen Caitlin, a single event the sheer volume 
and variety of takes that came out of one event. I sent Kate this, this tweet that I saw where somebody was like, you know, when all the takes have been written, <laughs> the Uber take will emerge, the Godhead, and the earth will be wiped clean. Not really a joke. I, the amount of takes I saw, and, uh, you know, as as we often say, you know, RTs are not endorsements. Me saying these right now are not, I'm not saying, arguing for or against. I'm just saying these are the takes I saw, because every take could spin out of this, from respectability politics to this is what it means to protect black women, to toxic masculinity, to the total abolishment of norms in a culture and just like the language of abuse and just everything, literally everything came out of this one event. And to be on like (laughs) Kate Kate says she's done with most social media as she should be. And Twitter is probably the most vile out of all of them. But when something like this happens, Twitter is both the best and the worst because it's not even like number one, you're seeing the volume of takes. You're also seeing the speed of the memory. Oh yeah. That, I mean, I'm always real time. Caitlin, I was up until midnight. I couldn't stop refreshing. Like it was just like, it just kept the onslaught for the first time in my life. Maybe not since January 6th. Cause I generally don't have time and my schedule's weird. So I'm never, around or aware of these events when they're happening. So I don't feel the full title wash of content and opinions washing over me. And I don't recommend this people. This is not something I'm saying like, what a great experience this was and everyone should do well, it. It I was, was just wild. Say, there's the good and the, the bad, like the, it's the side of like that. It's so imp- impressive, but not in a good way. Awe inspiring, but in <laughs> like, the type of awe yes, that awe- you're, Ah, in the like original, terrifying. yes. Ah, in the inspiring, not in the yes, not in the good way. It is yes, filling you with awe, but it's not the it's good so, kind. It's so fast, but it's so fast. Like people, you should be at work or taking care of your children or yourselves or sleeping. Do you want to know? Do you want to know how detached I am? Do you want to know how I found out about this? <laughs> And the slap, as they say. Yes. Senior correspondent <laughs> passing me a very lovely plate of dinner going, oh, shit, Chris Rock just got slapped by Will Smith. <laughs> That's how I found out. Was it? I didn't see it on a thing. I had someone else tell me. This is not, this is not how it usually happens. And I mean, like, just just the the volume. That's what I can't get over. The volume of it, the the the, b- the breakdown of it, like it for three days, it was the Zapruder film. Like every angle. Well, he laughed when the joke was told. Had he not seen Jada's expression yet? Um, the backstory, the deep lore, Caitlin, the deep lore of jokes he made previously, Chris Rock made previously about them. Um, to just the last eight months of Will Smith's you know, life in the public eye from the red table talks to the aggressive campaign to get an Oscar for King Richard. Like so much was swirling around this. You had all these elements and they're all kind of volatile. And then, you know, a frankly bad joke. Cause you know, people had to explain. The first thing people had to do was go like, well, in the 1990s, uh, there was a movie called G.I. Jane. 
because no because no one remember unless I'm, I'm already talking about it more than i said i was going to but to be i will say the best breakdown i heard of it uh hardy reco for the higher learning podcast hosted by van lathan and rachel Lindsay. um they offer a good final word because i think they were recording theirs the day after and like they're recording while will smith posts his instagram apology right so it's kind of a the fullest i guess picture at that point as full as it should be because there's the element of closure there um yeah just you know it's wild when like even Jesus Amaro's breakdown was like tame compared to the other shit you heard in the previous like it just moved so fast and I, I, I don't know January 6th was the last time I ever felt just like swept up in just the, the title the tsunami of takes I'm just gonna say that the the takes and the event overshadowed some other really cool things about the event. I obviously did not watch the Oscars because <laughs> I don't watch the Oscars. Um, but Coda winning for best film uh, was awesome. Questlove winning was amazing. Yeah, I, I went back and watched Questlove's speech after, and it was like, damn man, like he he. He gave an amazing speech and, you know, clearly was trying to, like, say a lot of stuff about, you know, if you know Questlove's career, you know, his relationship with his father was somewhat up and down, um, given their history and the the path Questlove wanted to take versus the path his father wanted him to take. So to see him talking about that relationship and what it meant to work on that film, you know, knowing his father wouldn't see it, wasn't around to see it, like, this is beautiful. Yeah. All of it overshadowed. And it was, yeah, exactly. Totally overshadowed. And that that is just sad, I think. So, I mean, I'd say let's all try to put it behind us. <laughs> Said it's done now. Put it behind us. It's never. Somebody's always going to have something to say about it. Like, Yeah, it's going to be going on for like for a while. Every comedian for the next, you know, four months is going to have an opening line about Will Smith. Because that, that was another sphere of... You know, if you were to put all the spheres, like the giant Venn diagram of like all the su- take subjects interlapping here, you know, there, there's the there's the what's acceptable in comedy line as well. Um, and, you know, there's you will have to opt out <laughs> as an individual from that conversation because it's not it's going to continue whether you want it to or not. Um, so given the relative. <laughs> I mean, relative lack of news. I'm sure there was news. It just all got sucked up in the black hole of the events of the Oscars. Um, I did. I did hear about something, an article that was written that I wanted to check out and talk about it. Uh, This has no bearing on anything. It just has to do with that weird fascination Caitlin and I have with with the the boardroom maneuverings of the Disney Corporation. (laughs) It it we we're weird. We're weird. We know we're weird. For some it's reason, fine. we are fascinated <laughs> with the continued stumbling of Disney CEO Bob Chapek. So, uh, because it, it's it's the real life. What's that show called? Succession. The white people rich succession and like billions. I think is another one. Like there's just there's something about like this these people in these positions of power and there's just like so much money involved and it's just, it's, it's like watching it in real time. So Kim masters, number one sniper at the Hollywood reporter had an article come out on March 30th 
um, continuing another breakdown of what's been going on over at the House of Mouse. And I guess we'll call this uh, the next update in our irregular series, the Chase Pack Check-In. I should find some music or a sting to put in there. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to go through the whole article. It's mostly an expansion of stuff uh, we already know, uh, i.e. the weird silence surrounding uh, Disney's political contributions to congressmen in Florida who uh, authored or co-authored the Don't Say Gay Bill and the the piss-poor reaction to the backlash um, there and then the sort of limp reaction that followed the controversy. This also on the heels of the um, Scarlett Johansson hoopla regarding the Black Widow release last year. Um, Apparently just the general mood around there is such that According to Masters, a cartoon hanging in the production offices of The Simpsons seems to suggest an opinion. It has Chapek in the In Memoriam section of the Oscars show, according to a source who spoke with The Hollywood Reporter. Um, the brain trust at The Simpsons denies that, and the source says it, is, it subsequently got took down once they got asked about it. Um, so, yeah, there's been, so as we know, uh, Chapek succeeded Bob Iger, who, you know, was the mastermind behind Disney Plus and a lot of, like, you know, working with Kevin Feige to get the Marvel shows on there, um, mm -hmm. things of that nature. Chapek came from the theme park, consumer products and theme park division. Mm -hmm. um, quote, his October 2020 reorganization, giving his longtime lieutenant Kareem Daniel oversight of distribution, was seen as a downgrade for creative execs and an upgrade for suits who had never made a movie or a TV show. Another joke came when Scarlett Johansson sued in 20 2021 over her pay for Black Widow, and Disney lashed out in response the fight led to a public war of words with CAA's Brian Lord and struck many observers as a relationship corroding battle that Disney would have avoided in the Iger era. Mm -hmm. I always, you know, it's, it's the, we know what Disney purports to be despite being the largest entertainment behemoth in the industry, right? They, they own everything. Um, yeah. Another longtime industry executive not associated with Disney also thinks the company could have taken a position from the start, R.E., the don't say gay bill. Quote, what's Florida going to do? Throw you out of Orlando? He says, dismissing the idea that opposing the legislation would have alienated a meaningful number of red state fans. One of Disney's high profile creative partners thinks the underlying issue is that Chapek, numbers oriented and bottom line focused, hasn't shown he understands the importance of the employees who bring the magic to the magic kingdom. Quote, there's a lack of awareness of what makes a company a company in terms of people and the culture. Masters goes on to say, there are those within Disney who hope Chapek has already learned from his mistakes and will learn more from his listening tour. Oh, he's going on a listening tour. I missed that in earlier Ooh. paragraphs, Kate. Oh, we love a listening tour. We love a listening tour. We, we love, love a listening we tour. We love a listening tour. We love to see the nothing that comes out of a listening <laughs> tour. That's what we love to see. You've been listened to. Doesn't, that feel, not... doesn't that feel great? <laughs> But we're not going to show you at all that you've been listened to because we haven't actually. Well, the hope is we've that he, he can win some trust and move forward. But one industry veteran says it won't be easy. Quote, even if he sits there and smiles politely and listens, people are not going to buy into it at this point. Quote, he's not going to win hearts and minds. So the saga continues. Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang. <laughs> Love. I mean, listen, we're all the moon night drop this week, right? We're all, we're all still watching. Like... <laughs> It takes takes a lot for the, as Caitlin once said, it's easy to keep the train on the track when the uh, track's already been built. So it's going to take a lot to derail the train, but the ride 
is uh, bumpier than it needs to be currently, shall we say? Yeah. And also, like, I mean, I already have a really conflicted, <laughs> like, relationship with Disney. Right. Like, I just, like, my heart hurts every time I think about it. Um, but it's also that balance of, like, every, it, it's it's the question the good place brings up, right? It's that, like, no matter what you do, you're doing something wrong. Um, and it's sort of like, well, I have to balance the wrong in my life. <laughs> like I, I, any, anything I watch, whether it's Netflix or Amazon or Disney or whatever, they're all terrible. Everything I buy is terrible. Um, <laughs> so like, do I just, do I become a mole person or do I have to like balance it out in some way? Yeah. Um, and it's taken a long time to get to that point. I used to get crazy about it constantly just low level anxiety about other things but it used to just be like a, an addition to the low level hum of anxiety <laughs> um so yeah i mean hey get at us if you've got if you've got an interesting way to balance you know buying into a company that may be evil <laughs> i don't know it could be what, may, what is evil <laughs> What's, what what is e- what is evil anyway? Yeah. Who's, who's to say? Who's to say? Well, Caitlin. Yes. Evil or nah? <laughs> what you been getting into? Um. Well, I have some good news. Good news. Very good news. Well, I found another murder mystery oh, <laughs> procedural. <laughs> But it's only six episodes, and Chris says I have to take it easy. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Just, I feel like you often talk about your struggle finding them. Is the pro? Yeah. Is the problem? Are you widening your net enough, or are you staying in the United Kingdom? Uh, no, I. I, I do feel like out. there's a whole like. 40 years of Nordic noir adaptations out there that you are just like not. That's not okay. So here's the problem. I have tried some Nordic noir. There's a very famous one. I can't remember the name. I did talk about it on the show. So I I have tried. I didn't like, again, very famous. I didn't like it. I didn't, I don't, I didn't like the tone. I didn't like wasn't the character so much as that they introduced like these the FBI basically like I'm and I just I thought it was weird I didn't like it um so I will watch but I'll watch American stuff I mean we know how much I like murder she wrote right like there are things that I like and I'm willing to go back hit me up with stuff from the 70s like I oh okay yeah it's just it's a tonal thing right and even there's a bunch of British stuff I don't like I've tried to watch again and again because I hope I will like it and I don't Again, it's tonal, it's um, it's the characters, it's like it has to be the right combination. Um, and, and there's a balance between it being uh, dark and, and too dark. Um, I can't remember what show it was. There was a... There was a show I was trying to watch, but it was just a little too 
dark. It was a British miniseries. I think it was like six episodes or four episodes or something. A limited series, as they call it. Um, and it was just way too dark. Like, it was, it was too much going on. Everyone was terrible. That's a, that's a problem. I need I need a good thing. And, like, I can't, not everyone can be terrible in the show. <laughs> Like the detectives were terrible people, and the there was also a, a really well known uh, British series, two female cops. Again, I'm sorry, you know me and names. Uh, it's been a long week, um, and and again, they they were both terrible people. And I tried, I tried to continue watching it, and I couldn't. They were just awful people. Anyway, um, but I was in. Uh, so, so Amazon has, of course, I have some channels with Amazon, and one of them is Acorn. Mm. And you're like, Caitlin, you already have the the like Brit box. Do you really need Acorn? Yeah, I do. Mind your own business. Shut the fuck up. Mind How about that? <laughs> yeah, uh, they have different things. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. There's some overlap. Do you okay. have Netflix and Amazon? Same thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's called. The Chelsea Detectives. And I was really excited because I thought there was, like, tons of seasons of it. No, there's just one. And there's six episodes. And like I said, Chris is like, you need to not watch all you of it. You need to slow down. Just slow down. Um, it's great. It's They're based in this area of London called Chelsea, which is sort of this upper crusty type area. Um, they are... It's just good detectives. Um, they both seem like good people. Like the interesting murder cases. You don't know exactly who it's going to be. Um, I did predict number two, so that's a problem. Um, but by and large, really good. Interesting how they get there. A lot of actual detecting, um, not waving. You know, the magic hand of of csi where it's like yes we can track down their i don't know odor i don't know csi was stupid anyways <laughs> i still watch it from time to time and i'm like this is dumb you, I say, you, you love csi one year it's just i i you need with csi you need to be like this is a dumb show like like it's it's a fancier flashier murder she wrote is basically what it is um so yeah, so there's that. Um, I was just very excited to find something. Um, I continued watching Sanditon, um, which is the Jane Austen-based um, show. Mm -hmm. It's, again, I have some problems with it, um, but they are very, like, minor things. So again, I'm just trying to, like, it's a weird suspension of disbelief because it's not magical or you know, futuristic, what it is is the behavior of characters in that time period. For instance, three young women unchaperoned would never walk into a military barracks. It just wouldn't happen. And I'm just like, where where is their chaperone? Who is introducing them? Like, these are the things <laughs> I yell at my TV. Um, I've been doing some diving into old shows and... And I'm excited for some new shows. So some of the old stuff I'm diving into is New Girl. Um, the, that show is, the sitcom? Yeah. Had you never watched it before? Yeah, I watched it. Okay. I hadn't watched 
all of it. Um, it's just a cute, dorky show that there are no stakes, and it's great. Um, this, is, this is a Jake Johnson appreciation episode, apparently. Yeah, it is. Uh, John Adams, which was... <laughs> Hey, I've got Crave, okay? I need to I need to use up all that HBO space. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Of all the shit you could have hit me with. Paul, on, G- you Paul Giamatti's John Adams was not the one I thought you were gonna be coming with. Sorry, continue. It's really good. Chris had me watch like this clip and I was like, ooh, oh yeah, we're gonna be watching that. Um we're going to start an expanse rewatch. Oh, uh, because they've just finished their six and I'm going to do bunny ears here final season. Oh, okay. Um, so the expand season six ended at book like five. And I think there's like seven or eight books. The book, seri- the book series just wrapped this month. Yes. And, and they have eight books in that series. Yes. The last novel they, came out. Apparently they set up the last season of a very short, it was a very short season um, of six episodes to they they did that and they've set up the other three books so it's sort of one of those things where they could pick it up mm-hmm. because there actually is a break in the novels as well um book number five there's a he, there's a big time jump to book number six from what i understand this is i have not read the books and I have not seen the final two se- seasons. Um, the, one of the reasons we're doing the rewatch as well is because th- this I did take a break from watching um, season five because because of COVID. <laughs> I was like, this show, like this show is so good. It is basically the best sci-fi on television, but it is dark as well. <laughs> and I was like, I can't take any more darkness. Give me all the crap you can. Um, so, anyways, that's going to be happening. So I'll update you on that. Um, then new stuff um there is the halo tv show oh, okay are you watching this uh we are um and it's a it's weird <laughs> because it's it's good but it's not good like there are some things that are really good and like they've got they've got some actors you recognize. It's not like it's like people you're like, I don't even know who that is. Um, and the acting is good, but it's also got this quality that's not good about it. And I can't quite put my finger on it. You know, it just feels like the budget just wasn't there, but it's not terrible. It's very weird. And I don't know the Halo like video game. For, like I know of it, of course. I know Master Chief. I know, you know, basics, but. I've never played it, so I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, it looks like fun sci-fi, but there's just this, I don't, je ne sais quoi, that's just not quite there. But I'll dig into that at some other later episode, once I've seen a couple more um, episodes of the, the TV show. Mm. Um, and then, weirdly, there is uh, a couple of animes, but I'm going to talk about the, I don't know how to pronounce it, Therme Roma Nova. <laughs> Therma Roma Nova. I don't know how to pronounce it either, but yes, I saw, I think it's saw, saw, this, on the, saw this on the homepage of, uh, <laughs> of course, Netflix put this on my homepage immediately yeah. when I opened it up. Um, and I'm what, aware of the what, premise, so <laughs> can you tell us what the premise is of this ridiculous show? It's basically a show about Roman bathhouses and how 
they are connected to Japanese bathhouses, possibly through a dimension that's door. A, that's the thing. That's the thing to spend your money on making. Sure. Um, the artist. There's a little. There's a little thing at the end of every episode where the artist like travels around to bathhouses. <laughs> it's amazing. Like the artist of the show, like who came out, who who created the manga. Right. She's amazing. We love her. Um, we've watched just the first episode. It's not good <laughs> so far. <laughs> but but Chris was one. Of, so our old housemates texted him about the show and being like, they the voice of the like of how you do your old Roman voice. This is they sound like that. And he was like, oh, I gotta see. We don't know the character that they're talking about, but some guesses anyways um and then finally that's not the only thing i watched but moon night but i think we'll talk about that, that we'll that, do that that'll be that'll be our bridge well uh, that'll be a bridge um the last thing i ended up uh watching was uh the personal history of david copperfield um which uh it's the personal history of david copperfield it came out in 2019 so not too long ago but i don't think it got released in theaters um it's a dickens Famous Dickens book, uh, of course, um, and it had it was remade into a movie with Dev Patel, um, and it was really good. It was it, they did a really good job. They wove in David Copperfield being a writer and how he connected sort of these parts of his story. Um, it was really cinematic, which was great, um, and. I got a really big crush on Dev Patel. I don't mind saying it. Um, so yeah, it was a great watch. If you like historicals, if you like um, period pieces, and if you like really cinematic movies and great acting, this is for you. Um, and then, yeah, that was, that was it. Um, how do I want to do this? Well, I guess we didn't bridge straight into it, so we can put a pin in it for a second. Um, kind of a personal update to start with. Uh, yesterday was a good, nice enough day in Toronto, and I'm off all this weekend. And so after I um, got cut up, on some of my stories, I got uh, got myself together and hit them bins, Kate. It had been a minute. It had been a minute since I went for a dig, like a real dig. Like, this is my day. I'm going to multiple stores and I'm digging. And I did not expect to have the day I had. The sound of sickness. I was in the basement at Cops Records. And noticed a stretch of bins that just said value world slash Caribbean slash soul. Okay. I did not have great hope for this. Mm -hmm. But I just hit a freaking run of like Patrice Ruchin, the Commodores, like stuff I'd been looking for. That's like if it was $4 a pop, including... These two compilations I did not know existed. They're apparently from the late 80s. They were put together by UK Rare Groove DJs for the UK market. And they're ba they're called Rare. Right. <laughs> and they're like basically a smattering of like essential Rare Groove stuff. So many joints on there that I have looked for and like turned down other places just here on this compilation. You know me, I'm the fucking compilation reissue king. Fuck original pressings, I don't care. Just give me the song. You just gave me fucking like three Weldon Ravine songs and uh Michael Wyckoff looking up to you, which is like I just talked to Hisa about that record cuz they got a copy in and it sold that day when they posted it. 
And I might have been thinking about it. And when I talked to him, I was like, how much did Michael Wyckoff go for? And he was like, oh, that was 90. And I went. (laughs) (laughs) Right in his face. That's exactly what what I did. (laughs) Right in his face. Uh, I just got the one good song on the album on a compilation for $9. That's what I paid for it. And then at Rotate, I was not expecting to find a bunch of uh, Athens of the North, like Rare Groove reissues, including the best variation of the formula. Kate, what's the formula? I don't know what the formula is. Kate, oh, you, I do know what the formula is. You know what the formula is. is. What's the formula? I know what the formula is. Sorry. The formula is having, um, I don't know how to say this politically correct. One person of a different race. <laughs> there we go. I was going to say a group that is one race and there being just one person for some reason, but sometimes two, just like, you're like, oh, I wonder how they met. If like, it's a, you know. if it's a, if it's a primarily group of black musicians with one white musician, oh vice God, versa, any combination, uh, a Puerto Rican guy in the back, a Japanese guy. It's always going to be fire. This has oh, never right. let me down. So when I found something called Judy Pollock featuring 33 and a third, a white lady and three black guys, I was like, there's You're no, like, mm-hmm. no way this is bad. There's no way this is bad. And spoiler alert, it wasn't. And also they had the reissue of uh, all of MC Solar's albums, that being French Rap God, MC Solar. And it was not that long ago. I was on Instagram reminiscing about all the French rap I used to listen to. So... I haven't had a day like that with the sickness in a while where it was like, Well, oh. oh, I was going to say it also goes back to like what it means to go through the bins, right? Yeah. Like, like this is what it's supposed to be. Not just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dissing you, <laughs> but not just like bring back that 90s thing. Um, but it's not just about ordering the records yeah, you it's, want. Exactly. It's about the search it's about the hunt for like that record that you're gonna get for a really good deal that's gonna be fired that probably not a lot of other people have and the Um, and the discovery i didn't know who julie pollock featuring 33 and a third was before i flipped the bins at rotate i was like what the fuck is this it's on spotify you pull it up you listen to it and you're like oh my god it's fire and it's 15 dollars like so you grab it um and you get the cosign from the guy ringing you up who the best thing that can ever happen when you're cashing out is when the guy who works there picks it up, makes the arch eyebrow and looks at the back and goes, it's really good. And I'm like, yeah, man, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm paying money for it. That's my one exciting musical update. Caitlin, you want to know my other musical exciting update? What is it? Friends, if you've listened to me on here and you've ever wondered to yourself, how did Jordan get into this weird freaking 80s city? How do you even find City Pop? City Pop's played out now, but Jordan, you've been talking about it. For, like, the better part of five years now. How did you ever get onto this? Friends, the answer is the group Caitlin loves to hate on the most. That being Osaka-based idol group, vaporwave idol group, Espicia. Oh, no. Caitlin. Yep. Guess who's reuniting in June? No. For a 10th anniversary concert. No. Who let them? Who let them? (laughs) Fuck yeah. And, and it's the best lineup. It's the 2015 lineup. Five Specia, as I call them. Oh, so, I'm so amped. They'll stream it on, they'll stream it on YouTube for free if there's five, if there's fourth, if their channel gets 4,000 hours of streaming between now and like June 1st, so you best believe (laughs) the quality of this call is going to drop because I've just been had YouTube running in the background on the PlayStation the whole time. Oh, it's been 10 years, Kate. And would you believe in those 10 years, they still never learned how to sing. (laughs) 
<laughs> I do believe it. I do. <laughs> or dance. Oh my god. <sighs> it's like you know what? They're like the antithesis to perfume. They're just like <laughs> perfume is like perfume is like the the epitome of making stuff look easier than it is. Yeah. <laughs> this species is just the example of doing easy stuff bad. But the songs were fucking bangers, and they still are. Um, what else was I getting into? The dropout continues. The fall is here. We are very excited. John Carreyou has published his article in the New York Times, thrashing Theranos for all of their uh, horrible, horrible misdeeds. Um, you got to see Lori Metcalf just chew up Elizabeth Holmes at the Harvard Medical uh, Harvard Medical Directors Gala. Don't call me Phyllis. I'm not Phyllis to you. Call me Doctor Whatever. Yeah, suck on Damn. it. Um, Man, one day I want to be a doctor just so I can be like, actually, it's Dr. McKinnon. Call me Dr. McKinnon. Um, shout outs quickly as well while we're talking about future things like the blessing of a future species concert. Um, Caitlin talked about future shows. My future sh- future shows are the Tokyo Vice show coming to HBO. Have you seen what? this? What? Ansel Elgort and Ken Watanabe what? playing a cop and a reporter oh. in Tokyo. Yes. I did, and I feel I have weird feelings about this because it's Ansel Elgort. We know this. <laughs> that's, well, sorry, yeah, that's, that's I, what I'm saying. I'm saying it's weird for me because Ansel Elgort. But I think it's weird because it just it's. I understand what they're doing. It's kind of like what they did with that British uh, Japanese crossover police show. Right, Gary Haji. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like it's like introducing white on audiences to um, to Japan to Tokyo. Um, and that's not in itself a bad thing. I am glad that I am glad it, it's actually based on a true story yes. is, is a good thing. And I think Michael um, Mann's got his hands on it too. So, I mean, it's going to be just strap it all into my veins. I just, please. there's also, there's like, there's like a white girl in it for some reason. And I'm like, you didn't really need that. Um, anyways, hey, man, so, one of the yeah. best books I ever read was people who eat darkness about one of these, like, you know. One of these Australian girls who gets murdered working as a hostess in Tokyo. A lot of white girls working as hostesses over there. So, Okay, fair enough. Like, again, I just, I get kind of uneasy about, like, I don't want to whitewash anything, right? Because that <laughs> means it takes away from this difference of the story. If they can in keep that intact as, like, and it is. It's about an outsider who wants to get in and then gets way, like, it gets way over their head really quickly. That's that's okay. I just want to keep that intact. I think it's more... Um, I, the trailer suggests it's more of that vibe than anything else. Um, yeah. I also want to shout out... I think it's called We Own the City or We Run the City. It's David Simon of The Wire going back to Baltimore to do a story about police corruption starring John Bernthal, a.k.a. The Punisher. Like, are you serious huh. right now? Are you serious? <laughs> just like... <laughs> strap me in. Let's do it. Strap Let's me in. It. Let's go. Um, those are things I want to watch. Other things I did watch. I said, I mentioned the dropout winning time. We'll talk more about next week. Um, moon Knight. I said this to a lot of people more like meh night, but I will grant it is just the, (laughs) it is just the first episode. Um, Oscar Isaac is carrying this on his back. Really? He's Mm -hmm. the, he's the appeal there because I have someone in my life who is cute and is very much an Oscar Isaac fan. (laughs) So I'm loathe. To admit like that his performance face. is a, uh, you don't like his face? No. Well, you can take that up with her. <laughs> um, 
I think he's a good actor, though. And I think he's doing a good job right now. Um, and it looks like a lot of fun. But, I don't, yeah, I've never found him. I don't know. Anybody who's, like, read Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol, this is, like, I feel like this is playing in a lot of similar type of sandbox. Although, you know, I also take for granted that you gave me, uh, you know, a Moon Knight comic that does this stuff as well for the show once. So, like, you know, this is not this is not unfamiliar territory for me. But, hey, shouts to not mentioning the blip. <laughs> appreciate yeah. appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, it's it's fine. It's a, you know, it's a Disney Plus Marvel show. We're going to watch it no matter what. Um Last two things I want to mention right quick. Um, I mentioned Gerard Carmichael at the top of the show, the comedian. He was hosting SNL because he has a special on HBO Max right now called Rothaniel. Um, It's basically a one-man, I don't even know what you would call it, a performance, one-man show. It's it's much more kind of in line with like a Hannah Gadsby's Nanette type of thing where it's like not comedy per se. It's basically him in a chair at the Blue Note uh, in New York. A very intimate setting, a lot of interaction with the crowd, and I almost don't want to say anything more than that. It's it's not. Um... I will say this because this is the bullet point, and I don't think it takes away. Ultimately, I knew this going in, and it did not not take away from the power of the show at all. Um, Gerard Carmichael comes out in the show as gay. He reveals oh. this to the audience, um, and. You can tell halfway through when this happens that, like, he's actively processing what that means in his life. And with the audience, he says at one point, you know, I see the Nike fitteds out there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, some of, y'all, some of y'all's opinions are changing right in front of me. Um, it's, it's, it's super powerful. And I highly recommend anyone check it out. It's not the sort of thing I'm going to bring in for the show, but I mean, I would highly recommend if you got an hour, it's, it's just a gorgeous, beautiful piece of work and I'll salute to him for, for releasing it. And I guess sharing with it, you know, that, that's what I walked away. I walked away from it feeling like, thank you for sharing that with me. Like as a viewer, you know, mm-hmm. um, it was just a really, it was a really beautiful thing to watch. And, Last thing I want to talk about. <laughs> okay, it's so awesome. And it's so lame and I delight in it so much. Okay. I feel like we have talked on this show before or maybe I've just talked to Kate about it or it's been mentioned in passing. This show that exists in Japan called Hajimete no Otsukai, which translates to My First Errand or First Errand, which is a show in Japan where preschoolers <laughs> are sent on errands. And they are filmed, and you just watch them do their thing. And I have tried to find this on YouTube with little success over the years. And then I found out randomly that Netflix just threw one season on onto Netflix. They are calling it old enough. It is this show. Caitlin? Yes, Jordan. I can't with this show. My... It is the purest, sweetest ten minutes you will ever fucking watch. <laughs> My throat is raw from screaming through both very short episodes. It's like seven minutes of me just going, ah! so, just, yeah, I can't take the squeaky shoes. His squeaky shoes. So the, the first, I can't take the, the pre- destruction of the flowers on the ground. The prem, the premise is just what I said. It's, it's, you have, you know, I think the first kid was like really young, right? Wasn't he like two? He was two and a half. 
half. It's two and a half. And you just send them to the grocery store, right? And I've heard, you know, this is not, I've seen some American takes, I've seen some Western takes that are like, um, okay, listen, there's a camera crew with them. Nothing's going to happen to the child. And also, you know, it's kids turn four and start school and they walk to school by themselves generally, right? Like it's. Yes, in Japan. Yes. yes, This is a much more regular practice in Japan. And these things like doing errands is, I think, part of, I don't have the full sociological explanation, but I do believe that this is a thing in Japan that they do to, you know, start to get them used to doing things on their own. Um, and given how you can like go to the bathroom in Japan with your cell phone and your wallet out on the, on the counter at the Starbucks and no one will take them. Like it's threats like that are not at the fore of their mind as they might be other places. Anyway, um, that said in the fourth episode, I've only watched four when young Yuka is starting out so brave to go do this and then breaks down crying in front of her mom. Cause she doesn't want to do it. Cause her mom's not going to be there. And then the mom is trying to encourage her while slowly dabbing at her eyes. I'm like, don't, don't stop it. Stop it. Stop doing this to me. Don't you dare make Yuka go for the, the tempura or whatever she's out going to the market to get. The third episode was the one that killed me because it was this little girl. She's four and she's making a few stops to get some stuff for her sister who has a fever. And at one point she just stops in the middle of the street and turns, and also this is great for me because it's about the level of Japanese I can speak. <laughs> <laughs> she just turns and goes, Konnichiwa. And you're like, you don't, you don't know who she's talking to at first. <laughs> she's talking to the cameraman. <laughs> also, it should be said these are narrated as well by, by a very enthusiastic narrator. Uh, yes. And he's, you know, he's unlike, don't ignore her. And the cameraman finally goes like, Oh, what are you doing today? And it's like, oh, my sister has a fever, so I'm going here. It's like, oh, aren't you, aren't you a good girl? Yes. <laughs> you're going to do, you're gonna do your best? Yes. <laughs> it's like, I, I protect at all costs. Like, I cannot. I'm just babbling right now because the, like. I'm sorry, but the little boy who's, like, he's walking along and he's like, uh, ambulance. Ambulance. <laughs> Cop car. <laughs> he just, he just, oh. Uh, Oh, I just wanted to, and then he had the little snot uh, on his way back. Oh, you oh. remember the curry? He, as I said on Twitter, he remembered the curry, and I turned into the meme of Leo DiCaprio <laughs> once upon a yeah. once upon a time in Hollywood. I was like snapping my fingers and pointing at the television. I was like, "Yes, Hiroki." Um, should also be said, not all of these kids are angels. No, orange the, juice boy. Orange juice boy is a bit of a shit, and. <laughs> His mom was so like emotional and worked up when he was like, he's going to do this. He's going to do it. I was like, no, he just fucked around for like two hours. Yeah. He caught, he tried to catch a dog with a net that was not big enough. Made the most piss poor and... thermos of orange juice. Yeah. <laughs> and brought it back. But they gave, they gave him his credit. He was like three or four. Um, listen, if you just want, this is clearly not for everyone. And I've talked about it more yeah. than I talked about Moon Knight for fuck's sake. But like, <laughs> it is the purest thing I've seen this week. And in a week as fucking weird as this one has been, given the thing we talked about at the top of the show, like the pure just joy of watching a show like this. Like I said, yeah. it's ten minutes long. It's a quick little shot of of joy <laughs> to your life, and then keep it moving. So speaking of keeping it moving, that is what we're gonna do right here. I'm gonna re up my coffee because I gotta get prepped for all the all those dicks. <laughs> So many dicks. All those dicks that are coming flying to my face. Penises. Penises everywhere. This one. This one's for Kate, y'all. When we come back, we will talk about the HBO show Minx after this break. 
and welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the thing we have brought each other mm-hmm. in a turn of events that I think speaks to our occasional synchronicity. Wow. Uh, Jordan brought this, but I was already watching it and was thinking about bringing it to him. Um, and I was like, yeah, I was very excited. Um, but before we get into it, we are going to talk about our rules because we do have rules. I know it seems like we don't have rules, but we do. Uh, the first rule is, uh, the rule of three, which is if the thing comes in parts, which this does, it's an HBO TV series. Uh, we will watch three of them to get a sense of what the thing is trying to become. Um, the second rule is hashtag save it for the pod. We will not discuss the thing we are watching or reading or looking at before we are sitting in front of these microphones so that you folks get the hottest of takes. We want you to have fresh hot takes, not these lame takes you're getting about a certain thing that happened at the Oscars. Um, and our third rule, which isn't a rule, it's more of a policy, is that there will be spoilers. Um, so... All that out of the way. The show is Minx, which is on HBO slash Crave, if you're in Canada. Um, And it is an American comedy streaming television series created and written by Ellen Rappapar, who has a real random collection of things on her IMBD. Uh, You wouldn't know her from anything. Um, Also, I have to to say her last name like that. Apologies. (laughs) Um, and it is starring Ophelia Lovabond uh, and Jake Johnson, who, of course, we know from New Girl and a bunch of other stuff. Um, it premiered on HBO Max on March 17th, 2022. We are on topic. So Not on even topic. all the episodes have dropped. It's not even I done yet, y'all. It's not even yeah. done yet. This is wild. And there is no information on the Wikipedia page. (laughs) Basically, the premise is that it is set in the 1970s, um, and a young feminist from Los Angeles joins forces with a low-rent publisher to create the first woman's erotic magazine. Um, It is not based on a true story, but there were... It does take a bunch of different true story type things and match them together, which is something that I actually really enjoy in media, um, television, or just storytelling in general. I think it is very interesting and um, you can do a lot more. There's more, there's more width in the story, I think. Um, So basically there were two women's erotic magazines in the seventies, Playgirl and Viva. And this is kind of about that. Um, But anyways, that's that's the premise. So, Jordan, did you want to talk about, like, how this came about? So, I was uh, spending some time with someone cute, and uh, I might have been just on, like, a random morning. She had already started watching the show, and I settled in. And I knew a little bit about the show because I had heard Jake Johnson on the Chris and Andy show. Jake Johnson is actually a fan of Chris and Andy, and they have he's actually guest hosted <laughs> years and years ago. Um, so, they know each other, and they're, fan, and they're fans of each other's work. And... They were talking about the show and actually hadn't heard the interview yet, but they mentioned how much they talked about a certain thing that this show does. And I said, yes. oh, mm-hmm. that, that sounds interesting. Um, so when I sat down and saw that someone cute was watching, I said, oh, this is that Mink show that apparently has a lot of, oh, yeah, it does. Look at that. Those are yeah. di- those are dicks, y'all. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I 
didn't know didn't know anything about the show and oh. started watching it. Oh, and I had no warning. There were there was zero warning. I may have paused it and may have yelled, "Christopher, Christopher!" So, um, so sorry. I was very good. Some context for why we are making such a big deal about this for this show specifically. And when the second I saw this, I was like, "We probably need to talk about it on the show for this reason," because. From maybe, like, episode seven. That was maybe the first mention of it. Caitlin McKinnon made her position known that she was never averse to nudity. She was not a prude. She loves boobs. She didn't care about female nudity in her programs. What irked her was a lack of parity. Irked. Between (laughs) male and female nudity. She wanted... More dicks in her content. Yeah. So when it's time to audition potential centerfolds for the first issue of Minx Magazine, just, just describe it for me, Kate. You probably, you didn't think they were going to go through with it, right? No. I thought, I was like, you know. You're going to get some ba- behind, like, the, behind the body butt shots, right? Like you're going to get that. Yeah. And we've seen some, we've seen some background tits. Yes. background boobs yes. because the, the by like low rent publisher what that means is porn publisher he's a pornographer yes he's a pornographer um and and but i like it in that the the boobs aren't erotic they're just there <laughs> matter of fact they're matter of fact because that's the industry right um and and she the main character is a is a prude um at least starting out and so I, I thought they were going to do a lot of like, you know, you, you see them about to take their pants down and then you see the reactions, right? the face reactions of the panel who are auditioning these gentlemen. No, no. I have never seen so many penises the sheer in volume in that scene. I, it was amazing. I was so excited. You saw so many different types of penises, big penises, small penises, chubby penises, like penises who, who, you know, uh, uh, anyway, it just, like I, I was full delighted. on spinning. There was spinning happening. Yeah. Yeah. Full on spinning, full on like, and they show, a, a you know, it very, was very, just, very diverse, uh, group of men as well. Yeah. Yeah, extremely diverse. And I was just so delighted that they took this seriously and not seriously. Like, yeah, it's penises, but they didn't make this big deal about it. It was just, this is what they had to do. They have to, it's it's nudity. They have to see the full center, centerfold, right? And I was so proud of them. I was just <laughs> proud of the people who made this television show. Um I would like to continue seeing penises. Um, but yeah, I just, yeah, it was, it was lovely. I am apparently one of the few women who likes penises. <laughs> if you listen to any comedian, man or woman or people in media, apparently people don't like penises. I think penises are great. Um, so I was delighted and I was like, yes. And it just, it wasn't like this weird R rating. There wasn't like this big, like, you know, beware beware wild penises sign like stuck on anything it just was there and it happened and it was it was delightful um okay so (laughs) there is actually a show attached to all this so we should probably (laughs) talk talk about that um 
So like Kate said, this is about, this is a story about a woman named Joyce who all her life, she works for, I don't know, she works for. It's like, it's like 17. Is it, I was going to say 17. I don't know if it's actually 17, yeah. but it's that type of magazine. She works in the sales department trying to sell subscriptions and such uh, over the phone. And she loves, you know, she loves publishing, she loves the magazine industry, but she wants it to do more. And she has this mock-up, this, this vision of a magazine she's had in her, her entire life called the, the Matriarchy Awakens. Is that what it's called? I believe so. What, 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 uh, what an eye-catcher that one is. Um, yeah. And she is at, the first episode finds her at the, uh, basically just like an open pitch for at magazine publishers like Condé Nast and and publishers like that um, to pitch ideas for new magazines. And this guy starts chatting her up um, in line, who is uh, Doug, who is the Jake Johnson character, who owns Bottom Dollar. Is that the name of his, yeah, his believe, publication company? I believe that's what it is. Um, <laughs> and he's got, like, he's got everything. He's got the Milky Mommies and just... <laughs> this, is, this is peak ma- porno mag era. Yes. Um... So some of y'all in a post hub world, a lot of you might not be familiar with that, but at the time, magazines were the uh, the first and last stop for all your for all your needs in that regard. All your pornography needs. So she spends a day making pitches. No one is interested except for Doug, um, and she's obviously wants nothing to do with him. And it's basically the show becomes a workplace comedy about them trying to make this magazine and. The, I'm going to say like, it's not, it's, it sounds bad if I sit here and say like, it's not the best thing I've seen this year, but there's a certain joy and funness behind it. I have a good time when I'm with them. Like, it's not the best thing ever, but I like everybody in this show and I like spending time with them. What I like is when art, uh, imitates life and life imitates art. Um, and something that they're doing in this show, so they talk a lot about in the magazine or when they're creating this magazine, making what um, the main character, Joyce, what she wants to um, get out there. They, it has to become palatable. Right. So they've paired it with... Pe- peanut butter with the medicine. With the medicine pe- right? That's what yes. he's... That, that's how pe- he likens it when he finally gets her for a meeting. He likens it, you know, you got to sweeten the medicine. You got to put the dog pill in the peanut butter so the dog will eat she it. She thinks her writing is great, but she's yeah. got like her ta- her taglines and her titles are scary. A lot of what she's saying is like it's just one full paragraph. Like it's, there's no, you haven't broken it up enough, right? You've got to make it pal- palatable and digestible mm. to people who aren't maybe used to reading um really dense philosophical because, because it's a magazine novels. it's not a philosophical paper you know it's not a yes. it's not a journal it's a magazine those are two different things and i think the show is doing the same thing hmm. even today even like it's still <laughs> it's happening but even today there's this really like weariness about having open discussions about sex and i'm not talking about like uh, sexuality or something being sexy. Like there's a lot of women with very little clothing on and men too. Um, but actual like important conversations about what's, what, what is good sex? What is what women want? Um, 
their place in things. Um, it's still, there's still a problem. And there is actually, I have to point this out now, and hopefully I remember for next week, because I have started watching the show we're going to be doing next week. Mm -hmm. And there is a scene, and I like high-fived myself, <laughs> and I was so excited. And it's just like this tiny clip. It's not, it's actually something going on in, a, in the background of a scene. Oh. And I'm like, Yes. Um, I want to get that. I'll get that off, Mike Yell, and I'll write it down yeah. so we remember to talk about it next week. Um, but it basically, it is it has created this fun show, but it is talking about some still relevant issues. I mean, it's giving you sort of this history of the 70s, um, but it's bringing up some actually, like, important things. Like, in the, is it the third episode they talk about, they're trying to find people to... Advertisers? Advertise. Is it the same or is that the second episode? That's the third episode. The second episode is with the with the uh, councilwoman, which before we get into the third episode, I just want to say, yeah. um, going chronologically here. In the second episode, there's this uh, councilwoman who recently gets um, elected and she's like the family values candidate. She wants, she's targeting all these uh, salacious businesses. And, um, you know, Doug has tried to glad hand her with, you know, bribes or contributions or whatever. She ain't having it. So then uh, Joyce tries to engage with her at a <laughs> at a Girl Scout <laughs> club yep. photo, Girl Scout troop photo meet. Um, yep. And I thought that scene was genius for the way it presented, you know, the way it went about presenting the differing perspectives of the time regarding what equality, feminism, etc. You know, it's a conversation all between women and girls. Yeah. But there's a variety of perspectives there where, um, you know, Joyce tries to make the point that she's trying to do something, you know, for the betterment of those girls in the Girl Scout troop. And <laughs> the councilwoman just basically starts asking them questions about, like, things the ERA is about, you know. It's like, girls, what do you think? What do you think about the ERA? And one girl's like, I don't want to pay my husband alimony if we get divorced. And <laughs> Joyce is like, even if he raises the kids? Mm-hmm. She's like, well, it's not just that. It's about, you know, you having the right, what if you want to join a male, you know, a boy's scout troop to learn about things like wood carving. And some girl just goes, do you find yourself carving a lot of wood? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, no, but I should be able to. And that those are those are the nuances on both sides of the arguments, right? And it was a very funny way of presenting that stuff, but still presented. I think, I think your observation is actually genius where you're pointing out the show is doing what Doug said the magazine is doing. Thank you. Also, I would like, it's small, very small scene so far, and I hope it plays a bigger part, but um, I think it's the character of, yes, it's Tina, played by Idara Victor. She's Tina's, a black woman Tina's awesome. Working, yes, and she's been working with Doug for years. You get the sense... I don't know. Do you get the sense that, that maybe they were involved at some point? Maybe he definitely but, trusts her, like implicitly yes, um incredibly close bond and there is a underlining co a conversation there about white feminism right and how white feminism at this moment in the 70s is not feminism for all or it's having that point where there could be that that diverging thing you know mm -hmm. feminism and its outset there's always been this issue between intersectionality and feminism and a lot of, especially at this time, white feminism veering off to to and not really including all the voices it should be, um, and and that has something to do also with 
poverty and feminism. And and I just think, like, I think it's going to be part part of a bigger conversation, hopefully this season. Um, but Tina was a great character. I think, you know... There's a great scene in... Sorry, just even just to go back to those two characters and the relationship between Doug and Tina. Yeah. There's a scene in the second where he's trying to... Doug's trying to find, you know, leverage on this councilwoman. And he's at the bar with Tina and she slides a folder to him. And it's like, where did you get this? Uh, you know, well, I, you know, I got, I had favors to call in too, you know, that type of thing. And he looks at it and he knows it's money and he closes it and he slides it back to Tina and he says, put that somewhere where I'll never find it. Yeah. He wants her like, to stay. You have to stay clean. You don't need to, you don't yeah. come over here. Like, and that was just so like sweet and such a great character moment between those two. Jake Johnson is just such a charismatic actor to me i generally love him in everything he's in so like and he belongs in the 70s i've never seen an actor look like they belong (laughs) more in the 70s more than jake johnson um also shout out to uh the character of shelly played by lennon kathleen parnum um she plays um joyce's sister um and she's kind of like she's kind of like the pov for like america right like because joyce is still kind of off in her own little world where shelly is living in the world and the the third episode i think maybe this is where you're going is a great scene where like joyce wants nothing basically their lead advertiser is dildos on my opinions jordan (laughs) go sorry go ahead go ahead Basically, what I was going to say, what I really like is that you think that maybe Shelly is going to be on the side of Joyce's, Joyce saying like, you know, women don't want this or, you know, uh, or being almost like scared of sex. Um, Whereas Joyce, Shelly, sorry, Shelly is completely the opposite. Shelly is the one who like pushes her to do this. She starts hanging out with the group um, at the porn studio she uh you know is the one who's this like you said this voice of we'll call it middle america but basically just working class women who maybe aren't university educated but live in the real world have real life experiences with loving their husband but maybe not being satisfied in bed and then the third episode is the one who says basically yeah, I have a vibrator. This is the model. Put it on setting 10. Like, she's, like, trying to give her this real perspective. Yeah, and um, another great moment of that is when, I don't know, it's is it the same episode where they're, like, or episode two where they've, like, <laughs> again, great work. Workplace comedy depends on the characters. So, I mean, they're just fantastic characters throughout the show. So, uh, you know, the character of Bambi. And I don't recall the photographer's name. I don't see him here uh, on this cast list I'm looking at. But um, they're the other two most prominently featured members of the uh, you know staff of the studio. And they're, like, offering kind of edits to Joyce's work. Because, as we've said num- numerous times, Joyce is very much, you know, still of the Academy, right? She's writing, like, treatises and, like... Yes. You know, and I don't know what her... How she phrased it. It was basically about, like, you know, house housewife should be paid. Basically. Um, And however she phrased it about like, you know, income parity among the, you know, whatever class. And Shelly's like, I don't know. What about kids get paid for chores? Why shouldn't, you know, why shouldn't you or why shouldn't moms? Yeah. That's a fantastic headline. (laughs) Like it gets the point of what you're saying across. But, you know, Joyce can't handle it because it's, you know, diluting her vision or whatever. 
And that's the constant battle with her is to pull her head out of her ass, basically, <laughs> regarding those things. And what I do like is is Joyce, you know, it's sort of like every episode is like Joyce learning something mm. about this process. And I really like that. And I like Joyce can admit she's wrong and just be like, you're right. This <laughs> she, is what we need to do. She usually does once an episode, but yes. <laughs> yes. Um, um, and I like that. One one final sort of thing. I think this is both a show we're both going to stick with, correct? Like, we both really like this show. Yes, um, and I would recommend it for a lot of y'all. I don't think it's taken a lot of up, uh, taken up a lot of bandwidth in the disco right now. I don't know what is, but I, I don't hear a lot of talk about Minx. Um, it's definitely worth your watch. And Caitlin, yeah, how long is an episode? It is. What is it? Thirty minutes. Thirty-five minutes. That is mm. amazing. Mm. I'm a, so glad they did that. There was a sketch on SNL this week, like the little rap parody, all about how Pete Davidson wants short movies. It is my theme song. Look forward to it hitting the uh, <laughs> the drop rotation. That's a short-ass movie. A really short movie, like at most an hour 40. Give me that short-ass movie. But yeah, like, listen, I, I saved it till the end. You, like I said, I was out and about yesterday, right? And that was also the day I had to watch all these. And I was like, fuck, I'm going to be up till forever watching these. I fired up the first one and I said, 35 minutes, ma'am. And, and it doesn't feel like that. You're a six like out it, of 10 just for that alone. Yeah. And like, for me, it's, it's definitely seven out of 10. Uh, oh, no, almost... six is just for the length. I'd give it seven and a half oh. eight for, for the yeah. content. Yeah. I was going to say seven out of 10 only because I haven't finished it. Um, and I want it to keep, if it keeps doing what it's doing, I, then it'll for sure be, yeah. Eight or eight or nine, depending. Um, and yeah, I just this has just been a like a joy to watch. Basically, I want there to be more penises, <laughs> and I would like an erect penis in a sex scene. Please, I have seen so many pairs of boobs. Also, I need more because it is the seventies. Uh, very important, um, and also just continue like with the good storytelling. Um, and I do like, listen, I encourage you all to watch it. Cause like I said, I feel like it's kind of a sleeper and it may need some more eyeballs to, you know, make sure it gets a chance to do all the things and all the seasons it wants to do. So I'm, I'm not, yeah. maybe it's just not traveling in the same circles I generally keep, but I mean, it's, it's worth, it's worth a watch. Like I said, for, for half an hour, it's not, there are many things that make me laugh harder. There are many things that move me more, but this is just a fun show it's just cool to hang out in this world like yeah so that's on your crave or your hbo check that one out friends if you have thoughts about it if you'd like to tell us how much you're enjoying it or not enjoying it hit us up at geek down pod on twitter. twitter let us know what you're thinking otherwise we'll, we will be back next week with <laughs> the original choice was dicks or basketballs kate chose dicks so next week, it's basketballs as we watch the other HBO show of the moment, the John C. Riley-led uh, historical, quotation marks, show about the formation of the late 70s, early 80s Los Angeles Lakers basketball team that is called Winning Time. It is also on HBO slash Crave. Check that out over the week, and we will be back with you to talk about it on our next episode. Friends, thank you so much for hanging with us for an hour and change every week. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. 
My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser, and I hope you will join us next week for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast, where we talk about balls. Or this thing I wanted to talk about. Take your goggles off and power down your steam power typewriter that you're using <laughs> to look up notes. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> done.